0: Welcome to Locked On Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman,
1: and Brett, H Town Wheelhouse Chansey. We are Locked On Houston Astros, and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked On Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talks You can find the show at Locked On Astros, your team, every day. And Brett, where can I find you on Twitter?
2: They can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter and at Strohs411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive, always Strohs.
1: And I have one of my loyal listeners. I remember in the old uh, Talking Strohs days, he would always send us kind of some uh, trade suggestions. And so I kind of nicknamed him Larry the GM, and he kind of rolled with it there. But, uh, Larry, where can they find you on Twitter?
0: I'm at, uh, at Larry the GM.
1: Yeah, that was super easy there. So, guys, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Roberto Suna today. And uh, he was, uh, like everybody kind of predicted, he was um, waived. So we'll talk about how that affects the Astros bullpen, how does that affect the Astros. And a very, very big name was put on waivers today. Do the Astros even have a shot? Probably not, but you you got to have some type of hope or something. But don't forget, you can get locked on Astros on podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device played play podcast, locked on Astros. So um, because we had Ben right on yesterday, Brett, I was kind of listening to the Edge podcast. I know you said it was really good. I just haven't had a chance. But I've been listening in the car. My daughter's trying to put on something else. I'm like, stop, stop, stop touching it. And so it's just it's really good. And, um, I love the backstories and how he just, he goes back and looking, but one of the things I'm listening to right now was the whole Brandon Taubman episode where, um, and we all know who the reporter is. I I don't know why that, that reporter doesn't want to come out, but we all know who the reporter is, but, um, but, uh, Roberto Suna was placed on waivers today. And that means that the Astros are going to rid themselves of the, um, the ten million that is that how much he's owed, Larry? About
0: yeah, it was, they were projecting about ten million uh, uh, for uh, uh, arbitration settlement for this coming season.
1: Okay, so I know that he was probably going to miss the whole season. We still don't know what's wrong with him. We don't know if he's going to have Tommy John, whatever. It doesn't matter. So um, before we talk, start talking about the off season. Let's kind of reflect on it. Was the Roberto Osuna trade worth it?
2: You know what? I want to hear what Larry, Larry, the GM has to say <laughs> about this first, because, um, man, you the have so great, no, you know, I'm I'm totally I've, I've got my answer teed up. But um, for those of y'all listening, if you if you don't know, you need to. This guy does these does this analysis of the Astros and he is he's a he's a he's a fan. I wish I could be like me. Eric's always accusing me of being a homer. Larry's very objective. Like he loves the Astros, but man, he knows his stuff. So Larry, I want to hear what you got to say about this. That Asuna trade that kind of bit them in the butt when it happened, it kind of lingered a little bit good, bad. Um, is it one of their worst trades that they made or water under the bridge? Well, so it's a complicated
0: answer, right? And so I think, I think the, uh, you know, the Ben Riders podcast probably could do a good job of framing this real issue, right? Cause there's the baseball part of that decision, that you may come to one conclusion about, but then there's the public relations and/or like general uh, cultural framework that I think it's pretty clear that that probably that trade wasn't a good trade for the Astros to make because I think you know I think from uh, from a fan support standpoint and and you know putting uh, the Astros as as considered the the scourge of the earth as far from a league standpoint you know that I think that that trade really. Did did seal the Astros as uh, uh, the evil empire started the, the process of many fans considering Astros to be the evil evil empire, and it also did reflect, I think, a little bit of the cultural issues that Ben brings out in those in those podcasts. That you know the Astros were willing to do anything for the win, right? And that and I think the players, like man, if we're willing to trade for this guy, given given the background and then well, what, 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 what's off limits. Right. So I think it kind of reflects that culture. Now that trade actually occurred, help me guys, that occurred in, at the trade deadline of 2018 and that's right. And the Astros were, I don't know if folks remember, we were, we were hurting with our closer at that time. Right. And, and so uh, he, he did come in and, and, and help the Astros with, uh, with the team need that they had um and and he you know he did he did do his job his baseball job he was a good citizen when he was here i never heard anybody complain about you know what Osuno did as an astro you know either on the field or off the field but i think there there is a framework of the culture. And issues that it, it, it almost reflected the disease that you know Eric you've talked about on your show a few times related to the culture of the Astros and and so you know I I don't know you know he was a distressed asset and and so the the, the price they paid to get him probably wasn't that great and so so it's a complicated answer from a baseball standpoint yes this probably was a good Trade that they 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 because they got what they wanted out of the trade, from a cultural and, a, and an overall um, fan support standpoint, it was not a good trade. Okay, that's a that's probably a great no answer, guys. So that I think yes, it is. I think it's a complicated. I think it's a complicated answer.
1: Yes, for sure.
2: No, yeah, I think so too. I think it's as I think mean, it's less complicated if the Astros didn't have the twenty seventeen scandal looming <clears throat> over their head. Because a couple of things that we know that one of the things that really pissed off our opposing fans or opposing teams was the swag and the, and, the, and the moxie and just the cockiness that the Astros walked around after they won 2017, you know, the whole hand behind the ear. And then on top of that, they're like, okay, well, you know what? We'll do you one better. We'll, we'll, we'll hire this guy that just got a 75-game suspension um, for Major League Baseball. He, he got a bigger suspension than Aroldis Chapman, Right. Or all this Chapman like did all kinds of, crime. I mean, he fired a gun at somebody or something crazy, you know? And, and so I think him give, now I never want a player to get hurt or whatever, but the blessing may be in the curse here. Like the devil may be in the details that he goes out with this injury. It allows the Astros to free up. If he was, if he was healthy, I don't know that they do that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. maybe for the Astros, it's a good thing that they're able to cut ties.
1: Uh, I don't know if y'all remember this, uh, but at the time, I actually knew about the trade before it was going to happen. And I was writing for Climbing Towels Hill at the time. And sometimes I would do a speculation p- piece and uh, on something I kind of had some whispers on. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want this bad juju because this is going to uh, like, I, I just didn't want that. And even when that trade happened, I'm like, Uh, um, I I couldn't believe it. And uh, it was outrage all over Twitter. And it should be. And I was following this guy's story because the one time I keep a closer in a fantasy baseball league was Roberto Suna that season because he had a great season the year before. And then because I was following this, I'm, I'm like, okay, should I hold on to him because he's all this? And then I dropped him because I'm like, you know what? I don't even want this guy on my team my fantasy baseball team. And so it, it's a big deal, but I think that, yes, they got rid of Ken Giles, the same Ken Giles that punched himself in the face, the same Ken Giles that could not get his act together in Houston. So I think the Astros, what I think they're also trying to do is they're trying to clean up their image a little bit. And maybe oh, so they're, good. they're just trying to say, you know what, Jeff Luno's gone. Uh, the win at all costs. That mentality is gone. So let's go ahead. I'm, we don't know what's gonna happen, to Roberto Asuna next year. So let's just go ahead and save 10 million dollars and just move on. And uh that way they can they can they can never undo what they did, but at least this is a way to say, okay, we're trying to clean things up however possible. And Whatever. So uh, speaking of the bullpen, I don't want to talk all day about Asuna, but uh, the bullpen, is there anybody out there that you think the Astros should go after? And I know, Brett, you're kind of uh, talking about Brad, Brad Hand earlier that that's a weird wave by the um, by the Indians, because he had all star season last year and he's uh, they're just trying to save 10 million dollars. And uh, that's that's kind of weird that you think the Indians, you're like, oh, they're a good team, but they're trying to save 10 million dollars. That kind of shows the 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 market that we're going to see. But uh, I don't think Brad Hand is going to fall to the Astros. The Astros will probably have what the second or third lowest waiver pick. So I don't think he'll make it here if he does. I hope the Astros do it. But, Larry, what what do you think the Astros can do to fix their bullpen?
0: So I, I agree, Eric. So I think we're going to discover in the next two weeks or so how bad the financial situation is really going to be and what what free agency is really going to look like this offseason because uh, you're going to see uh, lots of teams not offer qualifying offers. You're going to see lots of teams not taking a run at at a brand hand or or any, any other player that, that gets cut. You're going to see these like baffling cuts. Like why would the Indians cut? Well, the Indians were, were barely hanging on financially, even, even while they were good for the last couple of years. So they, they're, they they're, they're going to be in, in a, in a rough situation. So I see the Astros not probably as bad as the, the Indians, but the Astros really are, are in a, a tight financial condition. So I do think they need to try to get a closer if it's possible um, I've written and you know I put together some ideas. I think Alex Colomay from the White Sox actually has two two serves two purposes. Getting him away from the White Sox may be important. Because White Sox are going to be really good this coming season, and and I don't think he would cost as much as a Brad Hand or or you know okay the dream might be to get Liam Hendricks away from the A's, uh, but I don't think we can afford him either. So I. Kind of, kind of in that six to eight million range is, I think, what the Astros are going to try to allocate for a closer. Maybe depending on how the market develops, you can get a comb for that.
1: Fernando Rodney.
0: No, <laughs> see, I mean, uh, 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 there's, there's going to be a certain point that if you don't get an, a quality closer, you just let Presley close again, right? And, and you let the kids run the bullpen. But I, I don't think that's a, that's really a a long-term solution for for a championship level team
2: yeah i really think that it is i mean it's literally going to come down to dollars and cents and while (laughs) all these fans can speculate they can make these um they can make you know these wish lists i want this guy um i had been looking through the various relievers that have been going on waivers and the Diamondbacks have some interesting guys going on waivers. A guy named Guerra. Um, I can't remember his first name. My, my internet's out, so I can't search his name right now. But um, there are a few interesting guys that I don't necessarily know they would be closers. But I have a question, and I don't know that they want to peg him into this role because I think he's probably too talented. Is there a chance that Paredes, if they don't – let's say they don't sign a closer. Is there a chance that Paredes and both him and Presley – Kind of do a a little two man duo at the closing roll. Do you remember a few years ago when Octavia Dotel was like he he came in, he was a setup guy, then he became the closer, and we kind of went back and forth a little bit. Is that a possibility this next year?
0: So there was a point during the the 2020 season, and I don't I don't remember exactly what night it was, but it was a night that Paredes had come in and just mowed down the opponents. I think it was sometime in August. And I said, where were you? I, I tweeted, where were you the night that Paredes became the closer of the Astros? Right. I I think that's going to be his role. I think I just don't know that we want to necessarily put that on him in in, in this coming season. But I mean, if they can't get a quality reliever for the right price, I think that's the kind of condition you're, they're going to be into, and it's going to be Paredes and, and Presley kind of sharing the closing duties, like you like you
1: refer to the eighth inning guy hopefully be joe smith hopefully he'll be back next year so um yeah. and don't forget brian Abreu. i know he came into camp overweight weight and he was actually off the team for most of the year but if he comes in in shape he does have the tools to do it josh james is going to be missing uh, x, x amount of time we'll see what happens with him um but there are some pieces in astro's bullpen but i think they need one more like veteran guy, somebody kind of be the, uh, I don't want to say it, but the Carlos Beltran veteran leadership role in the bullpen, because uh, even Ryan Presley, he's still what this is, his fourth or fifth season, something like that. So uh, he's still, I mean, I guess that's considered a veteran, but um, one thing that kind of, uh, that was shocking today was Tony LaRusso signing with the, uh, to be the manager of the young the hyper the bat flipping <coughs> chicago white Sox. that is so weird and the only reason i bring it up is i just think that they probably he probably drives a old car that maybe needs some old parts sometimes and if tony LaRusso needs um to get to to whatever that ballpark is called uh what parts could he where could he go to get his parts
2: like guaranteed rate field or something. I don't even know. It co- old new Kaminsky Park. He can go to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business. It's been around for 20 years. And they have this easily navigable website. Forget going to the chain stores. Forget going there and sitting there waiting for the guy behind the counter to look into the computer for 20 minutes and only be able to sell you the part that he has in his warehouse which is going to take three weeks to get there. And it's going to cost you 30, 50, sometimes a hundred percent more, or, you know, you could do this, you go to rockauto.com and you could get treated just like you're a professional mechanic, get the same discount, the same prices. When you go there and you're looking for whatever it is, you need a new grill, you need a glass pack, you need a lift kit, whatever you need, go to rockauto.com. They are reliably low prices. It's a great, well-navigable website. When you go to rockauto.com and get your part, I want you to type locked on in the, where did you hear about us box so that you know that, so they know we sent you rockauto.com, reliably low prices, always the most easy, searchable website Go to rockauto.com today.
1: All right. So now we're talking about LaRusso signing uh, to be the manager of the White Sox. They released something and it had AJ Hinch's signature on it. That was so classic. I mean, it, they're talking <coughs> about AJ Hinch going, and there's a chance that whoever, a contender who uh, has AJ Hinch on their team, maybe George Springer goes with him. Who knows? But, uh, This is so weird, especially with the young talent the White Sox have to have that. But uh, the rumors are now that A.J. Hinch is the uh, leading candidate for the Tigers job. And that's not surprising. He's not going to manage the Yankees right now. Uh, He's going to have to kind of work his, his way back up. But any surprise about either, I mean, I know Hinch is not really signed on yet, but Uh, The rumors say he is going to be that. But um, any thoughts about uh, LaRusso managing the White Sox?
2: I'm shocked, to be honest with you. Um, He hasn't managed for six years. He's, what, 74 now? Um, The last news he made with the Chicago White Sox was a former player talking about how he used a a scheme to steal signs, I believe, using TV cameras. I'm not sure about it 100%. Um, but Larusa outside of that, I mean he's got a great track record, so he's got the name, he's got the
1: experience. Nine years out though. He's been oh, is out- it
2: nine? I thought it was six. Okay, nine years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the White Sox were thinking there. Um, you know, the owner. the owner
1: fired him uh, apparently and regretted it. So now this is him saying, you know what, I want him back, I want him to come in and mold my our young players or whatever. So okay.
2: Well, my well, Well, see, my thing is with A.J. Hinch, I think it's great. Um, I think if he goes to the Tigers, um, that is a young club. That is a club that's compiling tons of talent. And what worries me about Hinch going to Detroit is not Springer, is when Verlander comes off of this injury and recovers at 39, he may go back to Detroit. I think he signs with one of two teams. He signs with Houston or Detroit. If A.J. Hinch is there, I think it makes a desirable place for him to – pitch until he's 43 or 45 or until his arm falls off um, so that's what I think what do you think Larry hey, I, I don't even
0: know what kind of manager Lewis is going to be at this age right and right. and I don't know how that I don't know I, at least I of course I didn't see a lot of the White Sox but I have a perception that it's a fairly loose and and carefree team
1: Tim with all the young players
0: I just don't think it's going to work. I think he's going to try to demand, like, let me try to show you what, what being a baseball player is all about. And they're going to try to show him, like, well, no, let us show you what, what it be, being a baseball player in the 21st century is all about, Tony. And, you know, I, I think there's going to be a class of cultures. But it, it'll be interesting. I You know, I, I, I would have thought they would have been a lot better off with A.J. Hinch in the Chicago White Sox. You know, you want to go to the guy – that, that has recent experience with leading a winning team. But I, I I think we're going to see a lot of interesting moves in this offseason. I don't know that, that one's going to work.
2: So here's the thing Do you know who he managed, Tony LaRusa? Cool. He correct. managed, no, he managed Dusty Baker. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. Old.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, while we're talking about the moves this offseason, I know that in your um, I don't know if we can call it article. I don't know if you published it anywhere. It's really good. But you're talking about George Springer and you're talking kind of about the uh, the amount of money that's already uh, based basically set in stone. Uh, So do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about how much uh, is on our salary already? And uh, do you think that they can bring back Springer? And if they don't bring back Springer, is there a chance that they go ahead and uh, resign Correa or extend Correa?
0: Okay. So yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of questions there. Let, let's kind of start with the financial situation. So the Astros really had a payroll that would have had a full season payroll that would have been about 220 to 225 million this year, which would have been, the fourth high – well, it was the fourth highest payroll um, among teams. Okay, I I don't think Jim Crane is going to go over the the CBT, the competitive th- balance threshold, which is going to be $210 million in this in the coming year. I think he's actually going to scale that down because I think Dash was probably one of the teams that lost a fairly significant amount of money uh, of all the franchises because they had that huge payroll – their 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 uh, revenue from TV sources is not quite as high as some of the other bigger teams with the bigger payrolls. So uh, I said, okay, if you let's assume, and I know I don't want your audience to get too lost in all the numbers, Eric. So we're gonna, we're gonna try to keep it pretty easy. Let's just say 190 is the target for for the payroll. If you look at the, the Astros players that they that they already have signed or committed to this next season, which includes Verlander. And there, maybe the, you guys can help me, but I, I, think there may be a way to use, you know, a settlement, a medical settlement, or something. Yeah, there's like
1: the insurance. Uh, ben Ryder was talking about that yesterday. So they basically most of constant. it.
0: Good. Yeah. Does that come off the CBT though? I, that's what I don't. I no, think they're no. committed to 33. They just don't have to pay to. They right. won't have to pay to 33. Okay. Right. So. All right, so let's say he still targets 190. There's 134, 133 to 134 million, just in the just in the players that they owe salaries to, um, from the contracts they have. In addition to that, they'll have about uh, 15 million dollars in what they call an estimated player benefits. That's the bonuses and such that the that are embedded in the contracts, and about um, two two and a half million dollars for salaries. Uh, uh, of 40-man roster players that are in the minor leagues. Okay, so call that all that together, you get to about 150, 151 million dollars. So roughly 40 million dollars to make every additional offseason move that the Astros are going to need to make. So we added in the amount of payroll that are going to have for their arbitration players. They added uh, they added in the payroll that they'll have for their pre-arbitration players we haven't even made a decision about the arbitration players and we're at $151 million. Um, So then you look at the arbitration. I don't think you're going to get arbitration for Davinsky. And we saw today. They, they cut Osuna. So that leaves Correa, Diaz, Garneau, and McCullers. And I think they're going to offer those for arbitration. Um, And, if you add those together, that's about 19 million dollars in arbitration uh, numbers. So we're roughly at 170, and I'm saying I think the target for the Astros may be 190. I don't, I don't. Yeah, obviously I'm not in the front office. I don't know, but if you kind of look at where where might be reasonable for them, so you're basically at about a 20 million dollar gap then of, of what they can really afford afford to spend in, in free agency, and. But that's not going to be enough to pay. That's not going to be enough to play Springer. I mean, it, it it's just not. And so I do. There is a way that they could extend if, and you you'd have to go back to the details of what they did with Bregman in March. And you can look at the way they set that that deal before the season, before before he was even arbitration eligible, um, and they set up basically set up Bregman for a long term contract. It didn't affect the year that they made the deal. Um, the CBT number for that for for Bregman that year, it, it pushed it forward to the next five years. It was a, it was a cap number of twenty million dollars. But what Bregman did get is the bonus money. So essentially, Bregman got a ten million dollar bonus. I could see some, doing something along that kind of framework with Correa, and then Correa ends up with a roughly thirty million CBT average AAV average, and he gets a it gets a bonus paid. And he gets the t- you know, roughly nine to ten million dollars that he would get in arbitration. And and then you get the kind of framework of a deal of a two hundred and ten million dollar seven year contract for Korea. That's what I would love to do with Korea. Um I don't you know again, I don't know where the finances
2: are gonna be. So right. yeah. Yeah, I think no, it's okay. I think um with if if Springer's on his way out, um you definitely finagle that contract, backload it, um, put the stuff on the back end of the contract. Because to me, um, especially after this year, um, Correa seems to be a better long-term asset, a longer-term asset, and a higher value asset overall. We know, I mean, not to take anything away from Springer. Springer's bat, Springer's leadoff, what he does in October, just who he is, that's not replaceable. But if you've got to have one or the other and you've got to choose, I've got to go with Correa because I think his long-term benefit helps this club out to stay competitive longer than Springer does.
0: Right. Correa's 26, right? I mean, he's, we, we got, we got a lot of great years. Uh, Correa's got a lot of great years of baseball as long as he stays healthy. And that's, that's the risk of, of the, of a long-term Correa deal. But that's, you know, I think, what I'm proposing is, 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 is the framework, you know, now Jim Crane may say, there's no way we can pay all that money and and out years, you know, given the financial situation. I, you know, I I just, I'm trying to propose things I think make sense. So, so Eric, let's talk about outfield and what do you do if you don't have, if you don't have Springer, number one, there, there's a, there's a name that people need to learn in Astros fandom. And that's Pedro Leon. All right. Who the heck is Pedro Leon, and why is Larry to Jim telling us we got to learn his name? Pedro Leon is a 22-year-old Cuban baseball player that defected in 2018, and and is considered to be one of the top 10 uh, international players. But he's he's developed to a point where they think he could come in as soon as this coming season by the by the back end of the season. Pedro Leon could be on our
1: could be one, he uh, could be our our, our, our a Rosarina. randy
0: Rosarina, right he could he could be our, our 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 stud outfielder that comes in from nowhere um and yeah so he'll be the next cuban star on our team um he so okay that's a that's a huge projection i just gave him so that i believe pedro leone will not be there day one with the team but he'll be developing and 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 targeting to be with the Astros the second half of the year and the, the goal will be to have him at a point now again we're talking about risk and risk management so what do you what do you do with the Astros number one I put Diaz in left field okay and 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 utilize him and basically Diaz is my generally my everyday left fielder and I I'll oh. talk to my everyday right fielder and then and then the question is who's the center fielder I believe that they could go out and get a Jackie Bradley jr roughly about a you know I'm hoping that maybe you can get them in a two-year deal 11 million dollars yeah. a year and I think that gives everybody the kind of the framework to make, making it work um, so that's that's one of the targets I would have did you can look at a Kevin below Pilar and Enrique uh, Kiki Hernandez, and even a Jake Marisnik, if you want to go a little bit on the lower side of that.
1: Or Jock Peterson. Or, nope. Yeah, or <laughs> Jock Peterson. Right.
0: Yeah. So the, those are the those are that's the framework of the of the that's the the universe of the kinds of players I think we're talking about coming in and playing center field for the Astros, essentially to the day that you know we get uh, Pedro León and. And then when you get Pedro Leone, and if Pedro Leone is everything I'm building him up to be, then he's in center field because he's actually a natural center fielder. Then you could move Jackie Bradley Jr. to left field uh, or, or put him in right field and, and put Tucker in left field. And then you can put Diaz back in that utility kind of role and you've got some, some more depth. That's what I think the Astros are going to do. I know everybody wants to have Springer. I'm just here to tell you what I think is going to happen.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to find a way to allocate their money. And I, something I just kind of thought about was uh, Josh Reddick. Could they bring him back on a 1-year deal? Uh, just to just for this kind of uh, the bridge until the Pedro Leon, maybe like a $5 million deal or something. Uh, so we'll play just
2: center, center field opening day.
1: Miles. It, it's going to be Miles. Strong.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean, if, I mean, his Springer's gone. Unless uh, um,
1: Alvarez, his knees are like super good.
2: I,
0: yeah, I, I, I'm I put kidding. Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I would go after no, Jackie yeah, Bradley if we, Jr. over Reddick. I'm just saying, as no, a yeah, fallback definitely. option, that's yeah. something that you could do.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think Reddick probably signs with someone for more than five million. You know, um, I just I just I don't. I don't see the Astros bringing him back.
1: Yeah, it was just a thought. So um, to kind of – we're running a little bit out of time. Um, Let's go and talk a little bit about the – I guess the starting rotation and um, life without Justin Verlander. Kind of um, do you see anything that you don't think that they need to go out there and get another starter, do you, Larry? I,
0: I don't think they're going to be able to right i mean I, I just spent i spent my i spent my money that i, I said i had right i
1: right.
0: I'm, I, i'm against my 190 million dollar cap
1: so it's, it's it, a reliever yeah. basically at this point a reliever maybe an outfielder and they're done that's probably all they're going to have the money to do
0: i think so and i know that that's not popular but i'm just i'm just trying to help people understand i mean i'm the one that said it last year they're not signing coal there's just no way they're signing coal and people hated me for saying it and I, like you know i I'm just I'm just doing the math, you know. It's not going to happen, right? And so, you know, I think what's interesting is that the Astros played so many young pitchers this this last year. You know, it, it it's it's going to be kind of interesting. Like, what what? How do we feel about a Valdez, McCullers, Edie, Grinky, and Javier starting starting pitching staff?
2: Well, I tell you this, I love it. Um, I I think. And and y'all can y'all can boo me if you want to, but I think Frember Valdez has the ability to be a top ten pitcher next year in the major leagues. I mean, he has got the stuff, and I think that if if this club is winning ball games, he's going to be one of the guys. He's gonna he's gonna win. He's gonna get to ten wins first. I think he's gonna. I just. I mean, he was unbelievable this season with all the pitching woes they had. And whoever his psychologist is, he needs to, like, <laughs> give, that, give that person a bonus. Because um, I've shared this before. Um, when we saw him pitch in Round Rock AAA last year, my son and I interviewed a few players down there, and he was on the mound. It was Correa's last game in rehab there, and Valdez had just been called down. And he didn't look good. And my son, who was 11 at the time, even said, Dad, he looks nervous. Like, he doesn't look comfortable out there and something's changed. I mean, he's a different guy, and so I I love the fact that Valdez is coming into his own, and, and I, I expect big, big things out of him next year.
0: So the Astros did some things in an in international free agency in 2015 and 2016, and a lot of those guys are the guys that were the core of all these young rookie pitchers that, that showed up this year, and I think we're we're going to see that that continue to develop. And we're talking about the Perez's, uh, Valdez was in that group, Jarkity was in that group, Javier's in that group. You know, they, they did a lot of work in getting those guys up and go, up on the team. And so, you know, and there's more in the minors. I don't know that they're as good as the ones we got. Of course, we got Whitley too. And, you know, the question is what is, what is and when is Whitley going to come here? Right. Well, he's got
1: to be added to the 40-man roster. Yeah, he's so, got to
0: be on the 40-man roster, so he's going to get a chance.
1: He's going to get a chance, and I think they're going to start him in a bullpen probably this year. Uh, he needs—he is due to – he needs to get some major league experience <laughs> at this point. There's nothing mean, – I know he hasn't proven every, anything in AAA, but uh, I think he needs to just get up to the show and see what they do. So he could be that eighth-inning guy for the 2020 season. Yeah, he throws hard enough, so we'll have to see how his arm bounces back. And I guess the big uh, question um, that we can talk about tomorrow, Brett, is uh, the qualifying offers have to be placed. I believe this Sunday, if i remember correctly. So um, or pretty soon, uh, will they uh, sign Michael Brantley or offer him a contract? And with what Larry has to say, uh, I don't think they have the money because if if they if they offer the eighteen point nine to michael brantley is like ooh, that's more than i'll get anywhere else let me go and take that he may take well, that.
0: and the thing about brantley eric is that where will you play him right because he played more than half his games at dh this year yep. so i, I, I yeah and, and
1: we got a dh
0: right and so i'm just not right. sure there's a place for him
1: right so um any final thoughts we got about a minute left
0: i my from my view, Eric is. I think the Astros fans need to be aware of the financial situation. They need to start learning some of the names I just uh, put out there, and and really track with the team as they make the decisions they make. You know, the, uh, one of the things I'd love to talk to you guys more in depth about at some point is the is the Rule Five draft and. And how we're going to protect people for
1: that. Yeah, we'll have to do that pretty soon because I think that deadline's coming up. But uh, yeah. I'm going to make a little bold statement. I'm going to say that Christian Javier has more wins than uh, Framer Valdez next year.
0: Wow, look at you. Because uh, oh. I, I just think they, if they he got just... an 18 and 19. Huh? They
1: have 18 and
0: 19. Yes. I'm not
1: saying Framer Valdez is going to be bad. I just think Christian Javier is going to be that good. I think that once him? no, once he uh, gets his control. Anyway, uh, you've been listening to Locked on Astros podcast. Uh, thank you, Larry GM, for joining the show. Uh, Brett, we'll see you tomorrow. And go Astros and happy trails. Roberto Osuna.